you're listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Putnam. Welcome back to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. Today I'm joined by the one and only Mr. Crackhead, Mr. Crackhead Hustle, Ed Lattimore. <laughs> Ed, glad to see you back in the States, brother. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, man. I'm, I'm, I'm more or less not unhappy to be here. You know, with the best way to put it, I really, really was enjoying life in Europe, but but things happen. You know, you know, it's funny, actually, before I even go any further, I only, I don't know how many people know this, but now they're going to know. When you go to Europe as an American, you have, you, you, you get three months automatic, 90 days, and they, like, no visa, you're fine. And then after that, you got to leave. Some countries let you do something called a visa waiver extension, and that's what I had. So I only had, I got over there in the mid-November. I only had like one month left. And I think, well, no, that's not true. We planned on leaving in April because we had a cruise scheduled to go on in May. Well, that's not happening now. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> but, uh, uh, so, but, but the plan was to leave April 15th-ish anyway. So I only, I only had a month, and then this happened, and we were like, uh, you know, let's get out of here. And it's funny, the day we left, first of all, we, we, we got uh, insurance to fly us out. We had an, an insurance clause with political evacuation, stuff like that. And this counts as that. But uh, the, the flight, the, the same flight we flew out on, left or uh, was canceled two days beforehand because there just wasn't enough people on it. So the day before and the day Dang. before that. So when we get on a flight, and man, I'm telling you, I've flown business class before, and, and I think better than business class is is a, a flight with, like, no one on it. You can stretch out. <laughs> There's extra stuff. Like, it, it, it was a good flight. But they were, they're scaling back the capacity because now no one can fly so to meet. So, so it makes no sense for them to have flights scheduled, a Miami to Lisbon scheduled every day. If, right. if, you know, no one can fly. So, so we got out pretty early. And then, like, like literally while we were at the airport, uh, they, they um, put Portugal into a state of emergency. So that, that and, and then that gets complicated because one of the things that – I don't know how it is in the U.S., but we – our teacher explained it because I had a Portuguese teacher over there. She explained it. When Portugal goes into a state of emergency, one of the things that happens is that uh, – constitutional rights are suspended yeah and i don't like i'm not interested in uh being around for that right now. and then if that happens here you know there's nothing i can do at the very least uh there are guns here you know so yeah go crazy can defend myself but um happy to be back uh i watched some canadians get turned away they're not letting people in who aren't americans they're like if you don't have an, uh, an american passport you can't get on this plane. I don't care where you're at. And if they didn't care that that was just their connecting flight uh, or their connecting airport, like, nope, can't get on. <laughs> yeah, you look like you're still suffering from jet lag a little bit. Uh, you know, it, it, it's weird, man, because I know, I know mentally, because I've been on that time zone for five months, mentally, I'm like – still like like i'm not you that like i messaged you this morning like <laughs> you know yeah what, what is it it's like yeah you're like saturday like today i was like oh shit it's saturday right but the, the the real issue is is that in my mind right now it is it's later in the day like you just get used to that oh and so now like like right now my body is still adjusted a little bit but right now my body still kind of thinks it's like eight o'clock well well five o'clock i mean not five o'clock uh seven o'clock you know you get used to these things like i'll be i'll be back to normal pretty soon but but i mean i'm really happy though just like the way my life is structured and set up bro specifically like the way my the way i earn my living uh this is a this is you know it, it can be a thing right now is not a thing and I'm, I'm lucky that i'm in that position i know a lot of people aren't 
So we'll see uh, what happens and how it goes. But but I bring that up to say, you know, I don't I don't have to stress about recovery. I can really let my mind kind of decompose and come up with a game plan, not driven by by panic or immediate need or fear or anything like that. I can try and you know do the most intelligent thing, which is which is how we ended up here in Sarasota. I mean, they, 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 this is a really uh, nice. I, I I just like this neighborhood in general. But uh, her sister is great. Her sister's husband is great. Everything is is, is really good here. That's well, good, man. Yeah, you know, you know, like you said, a lot of people are kind of in that mo- mode of uh, you know immediate need gratification, and so they're you know they, they their job got shut down. They need to figure out how they're going to pay the next bill. And it's funny. I didn't intend our conversation today to be on the impacts of the coronavirus, but it is kind of happened because when we get when we schedule this right it wasn't going on. crazy you know yeah it, it wasn't going bad. on but uh you know i think it's kind of perfect and i don't mean that in like a weird solipsistic way like oh the coronavirus helped me out kind of thing but um you know you're kind of known you know online whether it be well facebook you just troll people but you know, <laughs> I'm happy. I, I totally forgot. <laughs> I'm happy that like someone knows like on Facebook. That's what I do. Like I don't even ha- I don't even have Facebook, and I know you troll people on Facebook. I, I really have a have fun. You, you know because because I have I have my own face out there, so no one is willing to say crazy shit because they're they're worried about their friends or their family. I'm like no no no, I'm gonna have a ball here because I, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is good to have that kind of a binary profile. You know, you've got on on the one side your, you know, your crackhead hustle, what you're really known for. You know, is the crackhead hustle and the coffee so black tweets. But it's always, it's always don't get out hustled by a crackhead. And right now, right, that's very good advice. But right now, we're kind of in this mode where somebody, well, just about damn near everybody is going to have to have some kind of hustle. Right. You know, talk about uh, an event that is, or rather this event I think has, has revealed the, the error of relying on someone else and only someone else to pay you. You know, I, I've never been the guy who's like, oh, we should all be entrepreneurs, right? I've never been that guy. What I have always maintained is that you need to have uh, some type of redundancy in how you can earn a living, because right because because there's a they're talking about unemployment claims are going to be in double digits, like twenty percent. That's that, that's insane, man. The, the, like, those are greater than the Great Depression levels, actually. Yeah, you know now now granted, you know one of the things I talked about with somebody uh, on Facebook is that. Unlike the Great Depression, the internet uh, right. is around, and that is uh, that is going to make uh, that's going to ease the impact of this if you want it to, right? If you if you're able to to look at this and go, okay, things are bad, but uh, I have a skill. Okay, let me go and figure out how I can how I can use that skill. I can teach or or instruct someone online. Okay. I know some people got a few connects. How quickly can I put something together? Can I, can I do work for somebody else? You know, what type of... There are a lot of things that people can do. But also, right, let's keep it real. The virus is also... I think... I don't know if you know who Donovan Sharp is. Yeah, he, yeah, uh, yeah. He said something. He you know, he was being Donovan Sharp, but, but he was being Donovan Sharp, which means he was making a good point, but he was making it his way. And he said, uh, you know, notice all the jobs that are being told to, to shut the doors and not come to work. You know, not not the truck drivers, not the police, not the doctors, you know, things of that nature, not, not the guys running the sewage plants. He goes, you know, out, outside of like, and, and his point was that outside of uh, things like nursing, uh, most of the jobs that are being told to not close their doors are all, are, driven by men and men are, you know, are the ones being put out on the front lines to do that work. 
to, to I look at that, and I, you know, I, I like to find more general lessons to give people. And I think one of the bigger lessons is that uh, we've got quite a bit of glut in our society. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of people doing jobs that just don't need to be done, and they were the first ones to be like, "Oh yeah, uh, I think." Yeah, I think Jack Murphy, uh, Jack Murphy had put out, um, you want to know if your job's essential or not, you know, find out if uh, your employer is giving you a letter to make you exempt from curfew and lockdown. Right. Well, there, there you go. And <laughs> because, you know, that's one of the, I, I, I don't like the conversations to go here, but here, here's where they go, man. And that's how it goes. Um, we, we as a society decided a long time ago, I mean, I guess like maybe 50 years ago-ish, that we were going to have uh, both men and women pursue careers. And what happened is when you have double the population going after the, you know, the same level of work, you have to, you're going to have to create stuff for them to do. You know, everybody wanted a car, everybody wants a college degree. And then they get one, and because now everyone has one, it's not special. So they got exactly. now, they, now they've got debt. Plus now they now they feel like they're too good to be a barista at Starbucks. I was a barista at Starbucks when I was 21, and and I think I was one of two people who did not have a degree, and that blew my mind. Like I'm sitting here serving coffee for like 7.25 an hour, and and you. Like, like, I mean, I was not shitty master's degree. It's not like I was working with, like, like you know, MFA. Or, no, I was. But uh, I, I was a master's, <laughs> master's of finance or, or, like, computer engineers. Like, you know, people were like, oh, right? I'm going to go to college because it's a thing. And it's not their fault. I, I really think, you know, we just we just all got brainwashed. And if you, if you want to take away, like, a silver lining, and I even hesitate to use that because you got to burn this thing down before it can be rebuilt. Uh, a silver lining, I'll put in air quotes, is that it really is going to reveal the kind of essential paths and, and, and ways to go. There aren't a lot of people who are looking for a lot of things that we have decided we need people to do. Like, like all the administrative work, come on, man, like... Uh, everything can be done on the internet from home. That's another thing that just blew my mind. But, you know, how long does it take us to realize that most of these jobs can be done at home? It, yeah. it, took, it, it took this, and then I said, <laughs> for people to go, huh? When I went back to school, a lot of people know I went back to school to get a degree. One of the, one of the limiting factors that, that forced me to take the path I took, which was joining the military to get money to go to school. And, you know, and I was going to fight anyway, but I was using my fight earnings to kind of kind of pay for everything. One of the limiting factors is that the classes I wanted to take weren't offered online, okay? And, I, and at first glance, you're like, okay, maybe that, maybe, you know, that's a good reason. Man, there's no good reason. They, they're giving online tests in the class. Like, this whole thing, I really think is going to make at the very, I, mean, I think it's going to make most of the world look different, and, and oh yeah, and really catch up. That's why I said like the really. I, I wrote this in my email uh, about uh, about you know the best way to deal with this thing, whatever. It kind of kind of to give people some hope and feel better. But what I but I was serious. I mean, one of the things I said is that the best thing about this and how it's happened is that it happened in 2020 and not 1920, because in 1920. There was no remote learning. There was no distance. There was no FaceTime. When you look at this, I mean, you, you're in a different state right now, right? Yeah. And we're able to have this conversation and communicate real time. You're able to record it and go back and reference it and share it with other people. And if this was 1920... I'll have to write you a letter and read it to all of my uh, followers and subscribers to my magazine. Right. And, and you know, and then I hope somebody is delivering it because... Uh, you know, quarantine, lockdown, all that stuff, and then the, and everything. There, there's not only the limitation on the reach, but also the speed. You know, how long is it going to take to put that magazine in a newspaper? Here, I just get my new my, my newsletter. I pull up ConvertKit, type out a few letters, boom, out to fifteen thousand people, boom. Get on Twitter, type some up, boom, out to one hundred ten thousand people. It, it, we, we, we're, we're the 
we're in the best time this could happen. I mean, sort yeah. of having like, I mean, well, this particular event is because we don't have stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you, you got to adjust and make these moves. Like like you were saying, you know, a lot of us are going to get a chance to, to see if, if we can, if we're to, to really embrace the internet income lifestyle <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah, but you know, another, you know, I, I'm kind of of the same mind, but there's a corollary to that, that it's, I'm seeing a lot of, at least in my community, in my state, you know, I'm in rural South Carolina, but, you know, I've been very lucky to where, at least for the past little over half a decade, uh, my wife hasn't had to have a job. You know, she can stay home, she can take care of the kids. We've been in a slow process of homeschooling our kids anyway. We've oh, that's got, you know, we've got one homeschooled. Uh, we actually had to pull him out of public school because he was getting bullied uh, because he's gay. And so he got tired of having to fight every damn day, and I got tired of having to go up there. So we pulled him out. We're homeschooling him. And we, we were working toward getting all the kids homeschooled, and then this happened. And now they are all homeschooled, you know, went and picked up all their laptops and got them all sitting at the table every morning while I'm at work, which is only going to last for another nine days before they shut down. Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, my wife's handling it all. She's homeschooling the kids. She's making dinner. She's making like home. My wife's a pioneer woman. Apparently she's making like, <laughs> she's got like a thousand Mason jars full of food that she's canning and dehydrating and making homemade beef jerky and, preserving foods and everything. So she's handling all this like it's nothing. But, you know, and going back to what you said, we had the, we have this glut, you know, where everybody wants to go and have this giant career and go be doing something. But a bunch of the stuff that they're doing is just not that important. Right. And it's just, and they only created it. So they're, so somebody would have something to do. And now, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I'm I'm covered in sweat, looking like R. Kelly at a Girl Scout meeting, because I was outside swinging a pickaxe and a hoe and a rake, you know, putting a new garden in, so we can have a little more self sustainability. There you go. And I look around, and I work in the automotive industry, the automotive manufacturing industry, and the unions are just complying with everything that says you know shut down, stop, and so. I'm looking around and like a lot of the shit we were worried about really isn't all that important. You know, my kids are being fed. My kids are being educated by their mother and their father at the kitchen table. As a family, we're eating dinners together. My, my teenage boys aren't traveling over to their friends and going out to the malls and all this other We're It's bringing a lot of people closer together yeah. without having that, that need for that reach of technology and without that need for the reach of advancement. They're finding that things are a little bit more important than they had previously thought because they were too distracted with everything else. It's putting everything in its proper place. Right. You know, our, our technology is truly... Like, like, it's hard. Okay, so, so this is going to sound kind of kooky, but just just go with me. I I really feel like our technology is is magic, right? If you if you look at science fiction, I I saw a, a, a poster or something or a drawing from a science fiction writer in the 1900s trying to imagine a system where everyone would be able to communicate with one another across the city. And you know what he drew? He drew a series of 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 uh, periscopes and telescopes and and uh line line communicators where you would be able to shout and it would go you know because the idea of sending information over a freaking into a satellite and spacing back down all right this is not positive the world but the point is we, we live in a magical world but what's happened is we have we have uh, relied on that if you want to we've made it the most important thing instead of keeping it in its proper place, which is, is a tool, a supplementary item, not just not a thing to, to lean on. And so now we we're, we're cooked up, right? And there, there's entertainment, but you can also, if you, if you if you use it right, like the way you're using it, you get to spend a lot more time with your with your friends and family. That's another reason why we're here. Um, 
instead of going right home to the north. It's it's just better to be around people. And and ultimately, yeah. we were when we were when we were debating, and we were debating. It was, I mean, it wasn't a heated argument. It was just a debate whether we should stay in Portugal. I the devil we know. Like, like we pretty much know how it was going to go down there. How it was going to be run. Uh, or come here where there's a lot more variables and and bigger um a bigger population and that good old American individualism going, you know, I don't need to stay in the quarantine and guns and everything. And and ultimately what what made the decision to come back stick, because we weren't sure we wanna come back. We were we were fully prepared to be locked down, whatever, right? Right. Uh, was that we could be around people. Uh people yeah. And the language, I wouldn't have to think in another language, which is exhausting uh, in and of itself. Forget communicating correctly. You just got to uh, forget getting the words out correctly, communicating and thinking and then reading everything, being able to stay up to date with the news and all that. I just I felt like, like being here was better. And then she felt that way, too. It was, but we were, that, that, that was her initial stance. My initial stance was better the devil you know. Like, like I kind of see how they're doing things because it's a smaller country. Uh, let's, let's stay here. But, you know, I'm happy here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you could get full-size coffee cups. Ain't that the truth, man? Oh, man. <laughs> and you know what? I actually, I actually adjusted. Uh, over time, when I first got there, it was a hard adjustment. And then I discovered you could order in a Batanado, which is a long, basically in a, they call it an Americano there. Uh, you can order and it, it's bigger, but one thing that is completely absent, or not completely, but like mostly absent, I only seen it less than the amount of times I can count on one hand. People walking around with coffee cups to go, you, you just never see it. Though the yesterday, the first thing I, I went to a Dunkin' Donuts and got a, got a coffee, and I walked and carried that coffee home and drank it like it was like I was an American again <laughs> because that is not a thing. Everything, but but that's the thing, right? If the, here's a here's a country, here's a place, a culture that emphasizes taking the time to sit with yeah. people. So there are no to go like the to go coffee. What the hell is that? That's now some places like I got a tour spot we went to. You know they had it, but like. Your your average cafe? No, they're gonna they're gonna get you a a, a saucer and a and a mug, and they're gonna pour it and bring it over with a napkin, and, and you're gonna sit down and enjoy it. Yeah, probably better it, for the environment too. You know, thinking about how much cardboard and plastic we we put into the we put into the world. I, I you know it was funny. I never had that thought until now. Like thinking about how how even the small cafes you pull up and you you get a porcelain mug. And uh, saucer. Yeah, you know, and me, I, I carry around like a 14-cup thermos full of black coffee oh, all day. And then I come home on my lunch break and I refill it because it's gone. Uh, so. and, uh, you know what's funny, man? And, and dude, I'm, I'm a big coffee drinker, right? Uh, one of the things, just, just talk about a s- small change, I realized... I drink a lot of coffee because the coffee in Europe is it's it's good, but it but it, because I can't carry it around because I'm not sitting in a car drinking a coffee, right? Yeah, those are like the two biggest times, uh, two biggest areas of my day, biggest times of the day that I'm I'm drinking that coffee. So you get rid of that, and I'm like, wow, I was drinking a lot of coffee. I slept so great, <laughs> like, <laughs> like so. So the the first month, I was like, wow, I'm sleeping like a dead guy. Because there's just less caffeine in my body, but yeah, I'll, hopefully it doesn't return too quickly. But we'll see. Yeah, well, it's not going to be the same without the coffee so black jokes. Oh no, those, those are never going away. I mean, if I Google you, it just pops up coffee so black. It's like the, <laughs> the first. Yeah, it it doesn't say shit about professional boxer. It doesn't say shit about your writing. It doesn't say shit about. Coffee so black. That's the first. <laughs> you know when 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 you're when you're good at something, <laughs> and, and making those jokes. You know, I, I I gotta have a good time with life, man. You gotta be my my. The reason why I make first of all, it's just funny to me. I mean, like I don't right, but but also on a on a secondary 
level reasoning, whatever. I, I think it's really important to laugh at things that people have trouble laughing at. Not things that are not, I'm not saying laugh at things that aren't funny, right? Yeah. I'm saying you got to laugh at things that aren't, that, that aren't harmful and that you have to, but because humor, humor gives you a way to kind of get comfortable with uncomfortable topics. Like when I bring up, you know, there are tons of, I have one of my favorite coffee, so black jokes, coffee, so black that only three fifths of its calories count. Or, you know, a variation, it only fills the cup of three-fifths of the way. And I had somebody write me and go, I don't get it. And I'm like, oh, of course you don't, because she, she was a middle-aged white woman in North Carolina. She had no idea about the three-fifths compromise. So she gets to learn about it, right? And these are educational ladies. It's funny. You know, coffee so black, it fails the paper bag test, right? And they're like, what is that? So... So you know, because I now now I'm a, if I was a white guy, I probably couldn't make these jokes, right? But like, I'm a, I'm choosing to take some humor, make myself laugh. I don't want to. I don't want people to get the idea that this is some type of noble mission to educate everyone. Like, no, that is just the secondary benefit. The first benefit is to make myself laugh. I ed slash shock some people, right? But yeah. then uh, I I can have some fun. You, know, you want you want to talk about talk about like shocking things though, like like on the other end of it. And then now I'm you know this is I, I feel like this is a um, what's the word I want? This is a podcast where I can be and, and say things that aren't you know as long as they're not like super wild. You know, no, like, I make sure that I click when I upload it to YouTube. I make sure that uh, I click not made for children, oh. and I also and I also make sure to mark it as explicit. Because oh, okay, and then, uh, I was gonna say I'm, I'm crazy. I'm me. I'm <laughs> me. You know, I'm me, and I can't have a clean episode. I've only had two clean episodes of this podcast. The first one was with Tanner Guzzi. Right. No, okay. no, no, no. Tanner, Tanner, Guzzi, Tanner Guzzi was the second one, and the first one was with uh, an Anglican priest, uh, Father Samuel Thorpe. Oh, Sam Thorpe. I think okay, yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, okay, so it makes sense that you'd have. Those are the only two that were clean. I, I had zero expectations of this one being clean. <laughs> but, but let me let me tell you something. Something I find hilarious, like hilarious, right? Probably funnier than the average person who finds it funny. That that Donald Trump continues to call it the Chinese virus. I have no idea what that's so funny to me. But yeah, I saw people losing their <laughs> minds about that. I'm like, fine, we'll call it the Kung Flu, the Kung or, flu. <laughs> like, or, yeah. I mean, or we can, uh, you know, my personal favorite is the Beijing Boogaloo. <laughs> you know, like, like, like my, my girlfriend goes, you know, she tells me about that, and I, I'm cracking up, and she's like, oh, that's funny. But yes, it's hilarious. And then, and then she tells me, she tells me a few days later, she goes, you know. I'm reading on Twitter. I guess I guess someone came up to a White House staffer uh, who is Asian and said, uh, "I hope you don't have the Kung flu." I thought that was hilarious. Like, <laughs> oh man, that's I mean, great. I don't. I mean, is it, you know, I, uh, this PC culture. You know, I'm not. I'm I'm just old enough. Like I don't, you know, if I had kids, they wouldn't be the, the age of your kids. Maybe they would be. I don't know. But um, I'm I'm 35. That is that's that's just old enough. Like like to where I remember. I mean, there wasn't all this PC shit. Wasn't the thing, man. Like you hell no. Like and, and that was the 90s. Like I don't know what happened or what changed. Um, maybe it's maybe it was because of how easy the world was. I don't know, but you. I, know, I, I blame Marilyn Manson and Eminem because when I was growing up, Eminem got real big, Marilyn Manson got real big, right. and that's when you and that's when you started seeing all the, you know, the Karens and the Lindas <laughs> of the fucking world just picket lines and like stop the music you had what, what was her what was her stupid at uh tipper gore 
Yes. You know, yeah, Tipper Gore trying to, you know, we have to stop violence in video games. And, and I think it was, and I don't think Tipper Gore thing actually happened after we, uh, what was it, Columbine, right? Yeah. And then, and of course, that's a tragedy. But right after Columbine, Eminem had done a song and Marilyn Manson had done a song talking about, and some of their lyrics kind of suggested Columbine. And after that, it was picket lines for PC after that. Yeah, you know, like um, Eminem's got a great, great l- lyric in his, in his song, Sing for the Moon, which is a cover of the, um, shit, I think it's the, uh, the Stones originally sing it. But, um, Aerosmith. Aero, yeah, Aerosmith. Um, and he goes, you know, can I load a gun up for you and cock it too when he's talking about, you know, lyric music? He goes, if you if you go assault someone and shoot him too, I get he goes, I get sued and tell me can my lyrics load up a gun and cock it for you too? Basically, going, you know, people want to. Here's what it is, I think. People want to find a way to get the maximum benefit of a thing. But they don't want to. They want to shield themselves from taking responsibility for any of the downside. They want the maximum upside, but they don't want the responsibility of any of the downside. And we see this a lot uh, in in what I, well, I guess it's the whole like uh, hookup culture, right? Where where girls, young women, want the benefit of being able to to party around and give things away freely physically but they're not but 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 the 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 downside that comes with that you know what it does you forget you know what it does emotionally how how undesirable it makes you in your your later age because you weren't thinking about trying to find somebody when you had all the tools and the power to in terms of youth and beauty um all of those things uh, they're not not prepared for that. One of the things that uh, in, in my book, Sober Letters, <clears throat> I left this chapter out. I was doing research on the effect. I called it the elephant, the drunk elephant in the room, talking about the way society uh, profits from us drinking a lot. One of the points I made was was looking at the role of alcohol in college events, sports, parties, et cetera, right? And don't you know, you know, I dug deep in. I looked at the data for uh, sexual assaults in the age range of 18 to 22 and how many of them, you know, had, and, and how many people were, were, were binge drinking that year and, and how many assaults had alcohol involved. And, you know, if you get rid of the alcohol, right, <laughs> if you get rid of the alcohol, you're, pre- you're going to get rid of like 90% of these assaults on this vulnerable, because look, at, at the end of the day, you know, I, I, the best part about writing that book is in that section in particular, which I ultimately left out because I didn't want people to miss the point, is, is I learned that one, one something, this is gonna sound mind blowing, but, but alcohol demolishes your ability to make good decisions, right? But but it also here's one thing no one wants to talk about. Everyone's everyone's all like you know don't don't tell guys to be assholes. Well, you know or rather tell guys not to be assholes. Tell guys not to rape right because that's what we need to hear. We're, you know before they told me that I was I was planning on going on this right rape, yeah right. But one of the things that uh, that blew my mind that I didn't know was that is it while alcohol for guys makes it very difficult for us to read signals correctly. Uh, and women, it, it totally disrupts with the signals they're putting out and how it matches their intent. In other words, uh, you have you have one agent that looks like they're asking for it, but they're not. You know, another agent who can who can't who can tell you either way, and it's just working on emotion. But no one wants to discuss that because when you bring that up, they brought this up when that kid uh, out in Stanford assaulted that girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they brought this up. They brought it up. They said, Dude, this is the alcohol. You know, the alcohol is an issue. And what did the women go? Like, no, it's not the alcohol. It's, 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 you guys need to be told not to do this stuff. 
And I'm like, that's a that's a classic example of wanting the benefit. They want to be able to drink and party and be free and not take that and be smaller in a situation with a with a larger aggressive or horny person. I mean, not aggressive. We're not, we're not all crazy and aggressive, but but alcohol certainly removes inhib- inhibitors. All right. Am I good? Am I here? We just had a uh, we had a tech issue. You uh you cut out as soon as you said it's not the alcohol. Oh, <laughs> and then we just saw this beautiful, you know, hands going everywhere. Well, I'm still here, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to paint the impression that I'm like anti-alcohol. I just don't drink. No, I mean, I but, get what you're saying. But, but I it, think, but, but I'm, I'm assuming, do you only have sons or do you have, you know. No, I have uh, eight sons and one daughter. Eight? We have nine kids. Yeah, well, no we kidding. don't, Ed. I, Ed, we've never slept together. I have nine kids. <laughs> you have nine kids. That's crazy, man! Wow. But uh, but yes. Yeah, so, so you have a daughter. So so I think anyone, if if if, if it's difficult for for a guy to even pick up what I'm putting down, uh, logically, I think you know it, it, when they have people who could be in the population at risk, then that idea starts to make a lot of sense. You're thinking like, okay, it's not necessarily. You know, b- b- boys are crazy, boys are horny, right? But most of us, if not all of us, are raised to be uh, in control and crazy and, and respectful. But when you throw in that booze, man, when you th- mix it with the young, the, the young formative brain that does not even finish developing until it's 25, uh, you put yourself you put yourself in these crazy, it's, 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 it's a risk. Yeah, you know, it's the same reason I don't hang out with other drunk guys. Not because right. I think, not because I think they're going to rape me, but <laughs> but because drunk people don't act the normal way that they do when they're sober. Right. They lose their inhibitions. Uh, in some, it makes them hyper aggressive. In some, it makes them, you know, overly emotional. But when you mix all those factors in, and you've got more than one person, and of course the physical attraction between a man and a woman that can't be. Now I'm not saying this and I know you're not saying it. It's not used to excuse the behavior of the guy, No, never. but it's used to explain how that behavior occurred because the guy, I'm not saying he didn't have control of his actions. He had a hundred percent control of his actions, but he just received everything all fucked up and thought, this is what she wants. Here's the and he, analogy. And he's still I, a dick dude. <laughs> Here's the analogy I give people when they when because right because to make that point I try to make it to people and they they miss it and I go no 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 don't miss it but think of it something else if I get behind the wheel of a car all twisted I kill somebody I can't go it was the alcohol right and right. no one would think I could either right but but we also know the car didn't just fucking drive and we also can reasonably assume that the accident wouldn't happen had there not been you know alcohol involved so i take that analogy and i go you 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 look at that you can accept that when it comes to vehicular homicide drunk driving yeah because you don't normally just drive around hitting people Right. In other words, in the, no, right. <laughs> if you, if that was your mo when you were sober, you know, then you could then yeah. But you're gonna right. be in prison anyway, sense. right? Yeah. But since it's not, no, it, it does it does all kinds of crazy things and and thing, thing once two situations that um, should not be mixed. Operating heavy machinery and alcohol is akin to you know. People were in a exhausted, tired, in an environment conducive to to a sexual encounter. Throw in a heavy amount of alcohol, and that's the it's a recipe for disaster. Right. You know. So this is where I say, you know, I think about this. I don't, I don't have any kids yet, uh, but but I that I, you I, know of that I know of. Yeah, man, that, that's a dude. I have I've been with my with my girl now eight years, and I think about that. I'd be like, man, what if what if somebody showed up like, here's a kid, like, like what is she supposed to do? Like that's what he's like nine doing. years old. Just... Yeah, kid like kid like nineteen years old. Like what like what is she supposed to do? You know, if she leaves, they were like, look, man, you got to do what you got to do. I I I understand. This is a, a weird situation. <laughs> well, you... 
if a woman does show up at the door with a kid who's, you know, just at the right age for you, just ask her if she know, if she's sure it's hers. Right. That, that's pretty much all you got to do. But you know, it's but like, you know what? Are, are you sure that's your kid? Don't say, are you, don't say, how do you know? It's, don't, don't say, how do you know it's mine? Ma'am, how do you know that kid's yours? Right. Come on. <laughs> and then have, have fun with it. But, but, but it's, it's, uh, I think, I think that's another good thing. I didn't even think about that, about this whole, uh, lack of, uh, what do they call it? Social distancing, lack of content. Yeah. You know, a lot of crime probably going to disappear. Uh, well, well uh, I think there's been a dramatic increase in domestic violence. Oh, okay. That I have read that. That's there, awful. But in nine months from now, we're going to have a lot more kids. We are going to have either a lot more divorces, you know, because some people don't even realize that they hate their spouse until they get oh, locked in the yeah. house with them. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yep. you know, and then you're also going to have a whole lot of people that have taken this opportunity to, to go like what we were talking about earlier. Man, a lot of that shit just wasn't necessary. We're going to kind of keep things the way that they were forced. Oh, for to sure. Be. You know, once again, in, in the in the grand spirit of redundancy, um, my 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 girl is a. Funnily, this is this is why we we have learned the value of, of you know what I do versus what she does, and they're both important. They're just we're in very different areas. She's a travel agent, so all of her business just overnight, pretty much like evaporated. That's unfortunate. So what we can count on is if for the next six to nine months, I'm gonna be the only one contributing uh, to the household financially. And and that's like not even terrifying, and that's cool, right? Yeah. Um, but like it, you know, she was she she loves what, what she does, and it's all on the internet. Like we 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 spend th this is nothing new, you know. We've been we've been spending all all day together for for what, at this point what a year um, or so. So it's not it's nothing new, right? But I would hate to discover it this way. They'd be like, holy shit. I hate this person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, sadly, a lot of people are dealing with that right now. They've been, you know, I think California is on like day 10 of total lockdown or the vo maybe it was a voluntary, uh, but I know they're getting ready to have like a total lockdown. Yeah, and, but I know, and I know New York has one, but there's a lot of people 10 days in, they're like, I'm going to kill them in their sleep. I'm going to kill them <laughs> at yeah, this table. I'm going to kill them. <laughs> I got some friends that live in LA and apparently, you know, the, there are certain parts of of this country they just can't grasp the idea of not going out. I don't know if you've ever been to LA like Santa Monica Boulevard, Rodeo Drive, places like that that are that are just I mean packed to the brim with people. Yeah. And and for this thing, Hollywood Boulevard, it packed to the brim with people all all hours of the day at that. New York City pretty much is, is I mean, I, I, I personally can't stand New York. I think it's uh, it's claustrophobic. That's the best way to explain it. I, I'm not a fan of a big city like that. But of yeah, course I went they, to I went to New York back in 2007, uh, mainly because my wife and I got into an argument. So. <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait. You, Please, you went yeah. because, or you went as a res as a result? Like this is no. Uh, we got it. We got into an argument, and you and I was like, "Okay, bye." I left for two weeks, and went up to New York and just like hung out. Yeah, I just walked around. <laughs> yeah, I walked around the city. I ate it like you know the Hard Rock and at Bubba Gump, and I went did all the tourist shit. You know, Empire State Building, Liberty Island. You know the Met, Central Park. Did all that for like two weeks. Spent like five grand, and then just said, "All right, I'm done." Came back, but I've got no need to ever do it again. That's that's not the kind of life that yeah, seems that's... conducive to a creative person or <laughs> or a human. You know, that's like it, it kind of reminds you of like the cattle cars in basic training. You know, you're nuts yes. and butt with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I haven't heard yeah, nuts the bus, man. I haven't heard that phrase in a, in a, in a while, man. <laughs> but but yeah, um, 
I'm 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 not a fan of that those, those dense places. I mean, like New York quite literally feels like like when what a concrete jungle. I, I'd imagine that is when when someone said that, that's what they thought of. I just I don't like it. But what you what you do, you know, Central Park, all these places packed full of people, and they're not ready to give that up, you know, and listen. Mm-hmm. So now, so now that good old American individualism you talked about. Yep. So now they're like, we'll show you. Because like I was looking at this and I'm like, hold up. Because I'm like, I mean, I know where I'm at. And it is, I mean, it is a ghost town. Like, people are very much in compliance here. They're everything, right? I, I was like, okay, how how crazy must it be? Talking to my buddy in LA, nope. You, you wouldn't even know it. I had a friend of mine in Pittsburgh. He was saying, yeah, you know, bars are packed. Well, they were now because uh, the governor of PA uh, went and got a little stricter. Yeah. People on, put people on notice with that. So that's where we're at. <laughs> yeah, you know, it. I had a guy, you know, things aren't even really all that bad up here in South Carolina because, you know. I think I think people way, are mostly. I, I, love, I love your state, man. I want to see Charleston. Uh, I still haven't seen Charleston, but every time I've gone, I've what the hell? Wherever University of South Carolina is, I went there, and I've been a hill. That's in Columbia. Columbia, that's right. Yeah, I'm about maybe two hours from Columbia, three and a half from Charleston. Oh, so you're like inland. Yeah, I am on the upper western northern northwestern corner. Oh, okay, okay. So, is, so do you border North Carolina or? or yeah, I can, border? I, I can be in North Carolina in maybe 30 minutes. Okay, okay. But um, no, I mean, it hasn't got that bad here. I think when the first part of the scare came through, uh, I had a dude at a gas station try to fight me for a gallon of milk. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> and see, I, I just got off work, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to this grocery store and see if they got some milk. I didn't have any milk. I'll go to this grocery store over here. This is just down the street. And they don't have any milk. I'm going to go to CVS. You know, probably a little place that nobody thinks to go and get some milk. Go in there. Damn, no milk. So I'm going to go across the street over here to this uh, gas station. Go in there. And they got two gallons. Hell yeah. So I get up there and I, as I'm walking towards the, uh, the checkout. He's like, hey, where'd you get that milk? I said, over there, but these are the last two. Dude lost his fucking mind. The fuck? Man, you ain't getting all that goddamn milk, bro. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting here like, I mean, I don't really need to. I'll let you have one. You know, but he was losing his mind. And, and, and I was thinking he probably had a kid who hadn't had a sippy cup in three days. And he looked everywhere. And then he sees this motherfucker with two. So, <laughs> you know, I was like, Bro, here. And as soon as I handed it to him, he was just like, oh, he's so relieved. Uh, like, yeah, people are, see, the the circumstances, the way things are, aren't what's bad. It's the behaviors of the people. And right. Somebody you know, somebody brilliantly said, you know, the, the, the panic is the virus. That is, yeah. That's and the issue. I'm just like, bro, here, have a gallon of milk. I'm not going to – like, if you're desperate enough to want to fight me in a gas station over a gallon of milk, you might shoot me. And right, I don't want, exactly. That, that's you know. <laughs> and I don't want to get into a – I don't want to get into a gunfight in a gas station. Over you know? a gallon of milk. Yeah, bro, here, have a damn gallon. I don't give it. Like, I just want to make – Like, bro, take it. I'll pay for it. Take this shit. Yeah, I'm like, I'll make some fucking mashed potatoes. That's all I wanted <laughs> for, you know. But, yeah, I mean, it's – it, it's not so much a ghost town here, but I suspect it will be over the next coming weeks. Um, you know, my wife and I were out today. We bought some fencing and uh, some other stuff, you know, for our garden that we're putting up. And it seemed kind of normal, but the stores were empty. The, the road traffic, yeah. the road traffic is normal. We're still waiting at red yes. lights and all that okay, stuff. That, okay, so that, that's pretty much what it is like down here. Road yeah. traffic, because when I, when I got, when I left the airport, I landed in Miami and then we, we drove up here to Sarasota. When I left the airport, I was like, huh, this is really interesting. This is that, like, if you just look around, it doesn't seem like anything's happening. We get to the hotel and the hotel's like, we can't have more than 10 people in one area. 
so there's no breakfast. And also, no one's coming in the room while you're there, so let us know all this stuff. Right in the hotel, was kind of sparse. Not too crazy. Driving up here, okay, everything's cool. We pull into town, though, and we, we last night we went walking to, to get our food that we, we ordered. And I was like, wow, it really feels like Mad Max here, man. Like, it's crazy. It was like, there was nobody outside. The streets were empty. Not like no sounds. The buses were running, though. Yeah. So. And see, that's a cool thing that we've got going here during the week is, you know, one of the bad things about the, all the schools shutting down was, uh, you know, there's a lot of kids that their only meal, you know, comes from the breakfast and the lunch they get at school. Yeah, and so a lot of our schools here, um, well, they'll they'll take donations, and my wife and I will donate school supplies and food and all this other stuff, and they'll give bags of food uh, to the children that probably look like they're hungry. And yes, it's look kind of stereotyping, but I mean, you can tell. Yeah. And so what they've done with the school district is they're you the school buses are still going on the normal school routes. And then they're stopping at all the bus stops or stopping in front of all the houses, beeping the horn, and they've got lunches for the kids. That's excellent. You know, I'm, I'm, you, you have to, you, you got to do something because we, we, we don't want to, we don't want to go into total lockdown because then we cause more problems. I mean, we're already causing a lot of problems uh, as it is, you know, this is a very unfortunate <laughs> There's a jetlag, right? <laughs> Very unfor- unfortunate thing, uh, you know what we're coping with and dealing with. But like, it's uh, I, I think people are gonna come together. I, I really, I really, I have faith, man. I still have faith in people. I, I don't have faith in people to be rational. I don't have that. That no, uh, I, but you know, it kind of goes back to what you and I were talking about with the whole. People are realizing that some of the shit's not necessary when it comes to the internet and all this excess crap that, you know, you drive down. Because if you drive down any street, all you see are freaking billboards for all these random businesses that aren't needed in, you know, reality. Because they contain shit that's not important. And then, you know, people are kind of coming back and realizing the importance of family. So like you said, putting things where they're supposed to go. And, yeah, it's very unfortunate the way things are going now and it's caused a lot of problems but it's kind of like the sword of damocles it's perched right over your head and you're using it right (laughs) you know if you're using if you're staying within these parameters you're not going to get stabbed with it yeah you know and so it's there's some positive effects from this negative event that we're starting to see and i think and I'm like you, I have faith. I think we're going to continue to see, maybe not as like holistically, you know, utopian kind of thing. No, those, no, those days are never have. I don't, I don't think. No, happen. but at the core level of a lot of people, you're going to see this kind of change. And yeah, not, the positive effect. I'm, I'm in agreement. Um, I, yeah, at the core, at the, at the very least, I don't. You know what? You know what I think it is, because I had to figure out like why I was hesitating. What I think it is is that um, the changes in the way we go about our day will have an effect that forces certain things to happen that look more wholesome than perhaps the intent actually was. For example it just might make more sense for someone to stay home with the kids. I don't think it's like, yeah, I don't think it's like, like all of a sudden women going, you know what? Feminism was a really bad idea. Shit. Right. Like, no, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. What I do think is going to happen is that from a practical perspective, uh, kids will still need to be educated. They're still going to be, you know, standard tests. Cause as far as I'm concerned, you know, and I, I, I think everyone thinks this the world isn't ending it is just changing and perhaps not even that greatly because of how much we relied on the internet and distance communication interaction to begin with so there will be these changes and people will make them but i don't but but the minute they get a chance to 
to take the path of least resistance again. Oh yeah. You know, I think I think that'll go. Like I I, I don't think no amount of benefit will make them uh, do otherwise. If for any other reason than they didn't do that when they when when you know when times were good. You know what is that old saying about hard times, right? Well, we we got a hard time out of nowhere. Um, and in terms of a hard time to have, this is certainly preferable to the other way these things usually occur, which is yeah, like yeah. massive war or <laughs> or some type of uh, significant. Yeah. What if what what if the uh, what if the coronavirus had like a death rate like Ebola? Right, like you know, uh, it, it it could be a whole hell of a lot worse. So we're 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 sitting pretty right now. I guarantee you, you want to have to get the government to get the step in to get people to comply. Then if people bleed out like Ebola, and then yeah. down at like a sixty percent rate. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, let me let me chill out. I'd be fighting the mailman, shooting at him, get the hell away from my house. <laughs> right, like Julie, I got that, I got, that, I got your stimulus check. Knock the fuck out of here. Yeah, fuck that check. Yeah, <laughs> leave, 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 leave it under the rock, you know. And whoa, when you get whoa, whoa. when you get a mile away, text me. I'll go get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you it's know. right. It could be, could be a hell of a lot worse, man. I'm really, yeah. You know, until it is, I'm just gonna sit there and really enjoy uh, this as best I can. You know, okay. Some yeah, are- I mean, it, freaking out about it's not gonna do anything. You know, my wife. She told me this morning, you know, oh, by the way, your job's closing down uh, in nine days. Like, they put it on the news. They didn't even, like, the company didn't tell us. You know? which I, okay, which which I think is is, is um, very disrespectful. Um. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm laying there in bed, and I'm, you know, coffee, and she goes, oh, yeah, your job's closing for nine days, you know, in nine days look over and it's on, you know, one of the headlines that uh, on her Facebook feed that she was looking at. And I'm like, okay. What the hell am I going to do? Yeah, like, you know? uh, I'm like, okay, cool. Now I got, I'm going to have uh, an indeterminate amount of time to get shit done around here that I've been be- having to put off because of work. So I can go and do all the things I've been wanting to do because I mean, I could still get pissed about it, but it's not going to do shit for me. Yeah. Someone, someone on my Facebook feed, they said, um, Who's having trouble sleeping since this thing happened? I'm like, are you kidding? This is some of the best sleep I've ever had. Yeah. Look, look if, if things go bad for me, they probably have gone bad for a lot of other people a lot. <laughs> like, like I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not like a, a canary in the coal mine or anything, but but I'm, I'm not like destitute. So if 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 I'm worried, then I know a bunch of other people are worried. Like, and. If things are, or if things get so bad where I'm like, hmm, time to make some hard decisions, I know that a bunch of other people have made hard decisions already, and so do you know, it's probably probably people to hang out with. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, some of the decisions were easy. You know, they you know they have that whole rule you can't gather with you know ten people or more, and all that. I've got nine kids. It's me and my wife, so we just flip a coin to see which one and make them draw straws. Which one has to sleep outside that night? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Okay. Just by chance, but no. And you know, I think I, I one of the things I like, and I think I got it from Ryan Holiday, was uh, there's two circles. You know, one is full of things you can control. The other is uh, full of things that matter. And you only need to put your energy into where those two circles, you know, intersect. Because there's a bunch of shit you can control that don't matter, and there's a bunch of shit that matter that you can't control. So when the, where those two circles kind of overlap, if you can control it and they matter, focus your energy there. So I mean, I can't control the job shutting down. I can't control the coronavirus. It matters, but I can't control it. So I'm not putting my energy there. I'm going to focus on what I can, which is going to be spending quality time with my wife and my kids and getting shit done around the house and, you know, working on the garden and the yard and just living, man. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's all you can do is just live. Yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't see any other way to do it. Oh. <laughs> you look like you're about to die, Ed. Oh no, it's, it's, it's just my allergies. I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, I'll be all good. <laughs> yeah, the crazy thing about being being down here is there's a lot of pollen. 
I guess. And yeah, it's that time of year again. I walked outside this morning. Oh, and right. I saw you're not. You're not too. Far my car away. was. My car was yellow. Was, get the hose. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm. I'm I don't have the. Uh, the, the great genes in that regard, man. I, I'm, I'm terrible allergies. I'm allergic to tree nuts, allergic to chocolate, allergic to, uh, to pollen, ragweed. I used to be allergic to cats, and then, and then you know, I met my girlfriend, and she's got a cat. I had to spend a lot of time around the cat, and eventually, and it, you know, it was cool. And then I know it wasn't like just in my head, you know. She 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 used to buy the Benadryl and, and vacuum the sheets and everything when I would come over, but. Uh, one day it just happened. I just my body went, "Hey, dude, you're not allergic to cats anymore. You spent enough time around them." Yeah, like exposure therapy, <laughs> pretty much. And, and we just kind of uh, like what the coronavirus is doing for everybody. They're getting exposure therapy to their family. They might actually pull some families together. Yeah, and be like, "Oh, wow, I like these people, or I don't." Like Zen and then, then. Yeah, hey, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think we're we're you know we're coming up on that hour mark and. This has been one of my favorite conversations so far. Hey, thanks, man. I try to have a, I try to, you know, just talk naturally about what's on my mind and where the conversation goes. And, and I think, I think that the wise thing to do, or rather, you know, prudent wise, sure. Um, the, is, is since we can't ignore said virus, that, that, that is at this point impossible. Um, then you, you, I think we use it to, to talk about ways to make life better, move forward, improve, learn, you know, make, yeah. improve, make progress. I don't, I don't think that's pretty much all you can do. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm really just unfortunate. I think about all the ways it could be worse and, uh, you know, worse for not just me, but worse for the rest of humanity. And, and it really has an opportunity, and I think you need need um, disruptive events in your life to make you to give you a chance and a reason to really practice important qualities and like like gratitude uh, and perspective. If you don't, because if everything is going well, it's just lip service. You talk about gratitude and perspective. It's not till till you you need it that you get to see. Do you really understand it? Are you are you really about that life? You know, as they say, are you really able to <clears throat> to look to look and go? I mean, because there are people you you tell them it could be worse, and they go, "What that got to do with me?" And I'm like, "Like like that guy ain't got legs, man. You got legs. So what's that got to do with me? My toe still hurts." I'm like, "Okay, you missed the point. You'll get a chance <laughs> to practice this one day. Uh, it's gonna come no matter what." Yeah. <laughs> Life, yeah. life is good about giving us chances to practice gratitude. So, yeah, and I think it's something that, because of like you had said, the, the excess in society, nobody's been grateful for shit. Yeah. And now, and now when they're running out of things, you know, I bet that guy was really fucking grateful for that gallon of milk I gave. Oh, him. I bet he was. He's certainly, you know, so grateful that he didn't shoot you. Yeah, I was grateful he didn't shoot me. I'm pretty sure everybody in that damn gas station was grateful that there wasn't some brawl over a gallon of milk that neither one of us would have gotten to drink while we're in jail. You, you know what? Like, what? What is that old saying? I, I, I always say, at least it's my old saying, right? Um, is that your good habits are going to protect you from the collateral damage of other people's bad habits. And you having a, a demeanor... However, whatever reason you decided to give up that milk, whether it be because you looked at it and reasoned that this motherfucker was probably crazy, or you just felt a kind altruistic streak in your heart and you gave the milk, no matter why you did it, it was a good decision that yeah. averted a lot. That averted a lot of other only negative ones, right? Yeah. It a lot of that was because I kind of knew where he was coming from, you know, cause back when I was homeless, if anybody tried to take a can of Vienna sausages from me, I was going to bite their throat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I know what it's like to be desperate for that one gallon of milk to, for your kid. I know what it's like to be desperate for diapers. I know what it's like to be desperate for formula. 
I know what it's like to be desperate, and I could see that this dude was desperate. And we went, and like, everybody in town went probably the first week, and nobody had any fucking milk. And so this guy was had reached the end of his rope, you know? Yeah. He, was des- he was desperate. And so I know what it's like. But I really like that, you know, your good habits will protect you from the collateral damage of everybody else's bad habits. I'm definitely yeah, going to do that. Do and I'm going to steal it and not give you credit. <laughs> hey, dude, take it easy. It's good knowledge, man. Colonizer. What? (laughs) Oh man, you know what? Nothing, nothing like being able to be able to joke with a with a a white guy from the south, man, about this shit. That's that's the kind of brotherhood that we've achieved, man. I mean, I I told you, you are the first black guy I've ever had on, so I've met my quota. Oh, yeah, well. I've now had a black guy. I've had a Mormon. Hey, I'm moving on up. You know. Now you gotta get a, <laughs> you gotta get a Mexican now. I gotta get a Mexican. Uh, yeah. But but on that note, I'm gonna go and eat my lunch. Yeah, brother. That's it. Yeah, I really right. appreciate you. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, guys, uh, for those of you listening, if you want to hear more from Ed Lattimore, make sure you're following him on Twitter. For the more serious, sometimes funny side, you can find him <laughs> at Ed Lattimore, or you can uh, follow him on Facebook. Uh, it's Edward Ashley Lattimore, I believe, is his Facebook name. Junior. That's my junior. Add a junior. Is his full name. Yeah. All right. You can get a lot of the trolling and laughs that he'll put on there. <laughs> oh, man. But, it's a good but also, uh, in the show notes, there will be some links to Ed's website where you can find examples of his writing, his blog, his newsletter, sign up. Uh, Cause the guy is just a content powerhouse. And if you like the way he spoke here and the things he talked about on the podcast, well, that's exactly what you're going to get on all of his content. The guy's real through and through. Thank but you. That's I appreciate that. Yeah, man. But that's going to wrap it for this episode of the Rugged Legacy Podcast. Be sure, if you're watching on YouTube, to slam the like button and the subscribe button. And if you don't, you're racist because Ed's black. (laughs) All right. You guys have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the content on all of the episodes, especially this one here. If you'd like to become a contributor and support this podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash rugged legacy and click on the support icon. Everyone wants to rise from the ashes, but very few are willing to set themselves on fire. This has been a rugged legacy production.